Greetings, salutations to our fine podcast audience. Ed, Nathan, how's Hello. it going? I'm it's going good. The way the way that was punctuated in my head was greeting to our fine podcast audience. Nathan and Ed. <laughs> as far as we know, we're it's, the only people. It's the same size. <laughs> exactly. We are the ones watching these. We do these just for me and Nathan. Actually, no, I ain't watching. <laughs> I know. I'm in it. This is enough. I can't take any more. Yep. We do enough of this just talking about nonsense around the office that we don't need to have cameras no, rolling for us. No, I do it. not need a camera. We just spent about 10 minutes talking about stuff. Yeah, before we hit record. So. Well, someone just showed up to the office a little bit ago to drop off their Christmas in Coweta kid present. Look at you dropping a plug real week. quick. Oh uh, yeah, I'm just saying he's wasting no time. So you can bring them by the office this week. Uh, well, I guess now. And if you come Wednesday or Thursday at this point when you hear this, yes. or Sunday morning, drop them off. Yeah, Sunday do morning. not bring them on Friday. Do not bring yeah. them on Saturday. Do and not leave them sitting outside expecting that some elf will bring them inside. Yes, that will not bring happen. them by 4 p.m. Mm. Wednesday or Thursday, or bring them on Sunday morning. Bring them by, I guess, noon. Bring them by noon. Yeah. We'll be here until Yeah, noon, we'll be here so. till then. Yeah, even if you're not coming to the on-site yeah. gathering, come anyway. Anyway, someone just showed up and said, we, I was walking and talking with somebody, and they said, well, I'm glad to see y'all are. Walking and talking. I can do wow. both. Wow. Multi-talented. And they said, uh, I'm glad to see you guys are actually doing some work around here. And I said, us moving and speaking is not in an indication of us doing work. This is wow. just what we, this is just how we live our life. So. Hmm. Well, but I saw the person you're talking to. They would be impressed by walking and talking. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We won't say who it is. No, don't say who. Okay. All right. So, speaking of Christmas, I had a thought. I had a question for you guys. Okay. What is something that you or your family typically does around Christmas that you think is pretty unique? <laughs> unique to you that... That is different, or if, if you don't have one, something just interesting that you do around Christmas time that you don't do any other time of the year. All right, so for uh, I'll say I'll, I'll give two answers for my um, in-law family Christmas when I go with my wife's family uh, for their Christmas for the last maybe five years we have uh, fajitas. For Christmas, I don't know that everyone does that for Christmas. It used to be Christmas like Eve, to. but because as the family's gotten bigger, we no longer do Christmas Eve. We do uh, a someday Christmas week. Y'all go somewhere and then get them, or you make no. them? So my um, father-in-law really likes going to the. Um, there's that Mexican restaurant downtown Noonan. Not Mexican restaurant. Sorry, Mexican grocery store oh, yeah. downtown Noonan on I think it's on Greenville Street as you're coming back mm. up it, there's like a right nightclub some near the Justice Center yeah yeah it's kind of adjacent to the mm -hmm. uh Justice but they love they love to go there and there's a guy there who makes up his own fajitas and makes up his own uh pico wow. and so they go and get that and then they go to they're a big La Fiesta family in downtown Noonan so they mm -hmm. go and get the queso from La Fiesta good stuff we do that all. And wow. then my wife and I, with our family, uh, one thing we started before we had kids, but now we do with our kids as well, is we always watch as many as we can of the Simpsons Christmas episodes, mm. and we drink hot cocoa while we watch it. And so our kids now are very big uh, Simpsons fans, which I don't know. I, I recently told someone that, and they were shocked, as if it was 1992, and that was something <laughs> no. still yeah. that it's corrupting your family. Yeah, I was about to say we. The benefit of the Simpsons is we have 30 years now of experience to yeah. know I, kids are getting corrupted in all kinds of other ways. I so. was a youth minister when Bart Simpson and them first started, and I was told that I was off track by watching the Simpsons back mm. then. Yes, but all of the people that told me that they're dead. <laughs> all of the uh, Simpsons episodes are now on Disney Plus, so yep, we, we watch that. We're like 15 seasons in because they just watch a couple a day most days, mm. and they they love it. So and they, they probably your kids. I know how old your kids are. They probably don't get half the joke. They don't get most of oh. it. They do love, and I didn't realize how much. I did not think of this as a Simpsons thing, but they now say the phrase "so long, suckers" <laughs> all the time. They love it's two of my daughters in particular. Uh, That's that, great. That are they they love making people laugh so they will they will just constantly walk around and go so long suckers which is not a Simpsons phrase but they do say it they also now. ask me regularly to go don't 
Yeah, well, I do have one <laughs> one daughter who says doe for everything. For everything. You for do everything. kind of resemble Homer uh, there. A little bit. You, I, you're I, like I the Homer guy. figure yeah. of their, That's right. their life. I, in, their li- in their lives, I'm the Homer guy. Yeah, that's yes. you. So anyway, that's, okay, that's kind of, I don't know how unique it is, but I don't know that everyone does that. So. Yeah. I was thinking um, something, we're pretty stinking traditional around my house. Because when I thought about this, I was like, we're, we're kind of boring. But then I, I came up with this one thing. Um, when I was a kid, and, and it's kind of funny because it's, it's carried over uh, when now that we're older. Um, but when I was a kid, my grandmother, when we go over to her house on Christmas Eve, she had this thing. She would always tend to get us things like socks and underwear. Oh, yeah. You know, that was like the big thing. And yeah. as as a kid, I hated it. Oh, yeah. Could not stand it. And so, but then there was that also that thing uh, that your parents always want to take a picture of every gift <laughs> that you receive. Yep. And so when I would open up, you know, the pack of underoos, I'd be like, no, you are not taking <laughs> a picture of me. So somebody, and I don't remember who in my family, just to get at us kids said, no, we're making a new rule not only do you have to have your picture taken with the underwear, you have to open the pack up and put it on your head. Ah, that is unique. It is unique. So now we have a bunch of pictures, and it carried over into my kids because then they started getting underwear and stuff. So now it's like anytime you open up underwear, it goes on the head, and you got to get a picture. So we got some great holiday pictures. But I'll say, you know, as heads. a kid, not liking the underwear makes sense. But yeah. that is a good, thoughtful grandma gift that, that for parents. Because uh-huh. then I don't have to think about getting exactly. socks and underwear. I know I've got, because those are Here's th- your thong. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think grandma was buying grandma a thong. Grandma bought you a thong again that's, this that's year. My, if grandma, my grandma bought me a thong. I got a whole pack of thongs for you, Wow. You know, <laughs> I'll just say this. Dude. If your grandma bought you a Ooh. thong, put that in the comments. <laughs> yes, sir. Let us know. I want to know your grandma. Yeah, what is going on? But I like that. That's good. (laughs) Actually, you know what? Now that I say that, I don't want to have to have judgmental, critical thoughts about you. So don't put that in the comments. (laughs) So anyway, that's my unique Christmas thing. You got one, Ed? Pretty unique. No. Well, we used to have, when we had, you know, when our kids were at home, we had all kinds of traditions. Like, we ate uh, Cincinnati chili on Christmas Eve for a long, long time because we all like it. And by the way, I have one of my eight granddaughters. She is, she loves Cincinnati chili. And yeah. y'all, if those of you knows what that is, it's a unique kind of taste. But she would eat it. She's only like three, but mm. she likes it all the time. Awesome. So anyway, we, Becky and I don't have that anymore because y- you have to make so much of it. We we just don't eat it unless we're going to have a family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardly ever. I don't think Becky and I currently have many just Ed and Becky traditions uh, mm. that we do anymore that are outside the bigger family. So we're okay. pretty dang. I mean, we we go out to eat. Uh, I just thought maybe I would watch uh, the old Simpsons stuff just to see how outdated the first Christmas oh, Simpsons. Yeah. You, there's got because they do cultural stuff they all do. the time. Oh yeah. Yep. There's got to be cultural stuff. We watched for years. We watched the movie Scrooged it, mm. when Nathan was younger. We watched that on Christmas Eve. Mm. Uh, so, my Becky does not enjoy the movies I want to watch on Christmas Eve. Shocker! I do think <laughs> we're going to watch uh, Scrooged this year, which I know a lot of people are going to judge me for as well, though, because I that is I'll say this: of all the Christmas things that are out there, Christmas Carol by far, just like messaging around it. If you get the right kind of Christmas Carol. And I'll say this, this apparently upsets a lot of people. Not the Muppet Christmas Carol. No. Uh, because it's terrible. But and not not like the production, but I mean they they've destroyed the messaging. The messaging of a Christmas Carol is beautiful in that it's about someone learning to move from greed mm-hmm. to charity. Yes. And yes. and the true messaging behind Christmas Carol. That of life is about more than me. And yeah. about loving your fellow yes. man, taking mm-hmm. care of those who are less fortunate, all of that kind of stuff. That somehow gets lost in a lot of the ones we teach kids because mm-hmm. it becomes about like love love. It becomes the problem with Scrooge is he didn't like Christmas and now he likes yeah, Christmas. No. That the whole bah humbug, he just didn't like Christmas. But Scrooge has a lot of that that's actually really good yeah. about mm-hmm. taking care and they sing, put a little love in your heart at the end, and it's a great it's, and it's I will great. say of all the, the adaptations of the Christmas Carol, I like the one with George C. Scott. I oh, also yes, like that's that another, one. That's my favorite. I also my like kids that have one. watched like five versions of the Christmas Carol because there's a Jim Carrey one, which isn't great, it's but they great. really like it. Oh, and, they do. I oh, hate that one. They watch. Oh, they watch 
I'm telling you, if it's out there and it's a Christmas Carol, the, my oldest in particular loves. She loves anything that she finds out is a book, and is in particular mm-hmm. a book written in the 1800s. Okay. If you can have a book that was written before 1900, she somehow is very interested in that, <laughs> and she's all about that. But I would recommend doing the uh, Simpsons Christmas. One of the best ones is uh, talk about cultural references. Is they have to break into a uh, a, a factory, and Gary Coleman is the knight guard because for that, if anyone remembers there was a brief period of time that it turned out oh gary coleman former gary child coleman. star is working as a security yeah, guard exactly. oh, they have a great. whole thing with that and ends with him. and does he say the famous gary yeah, coleman says, line what's that keep saying something he goes no he says he's a what you talking about he goes, yeah, what, you, what talk? you talk about mo and then he looks right at the camera and goes what you talking about everyone <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the best gold, gary coleman it's, it's absolutely wonderful that's great okay well, that took longer than I expected. Yes. But anyway, all right, so we got All some- Simpsons episodes on Disney Plus just put out that advertisement in case D- Disney wants to be a supporter. You're know looking for Disney to be a supporter? Well, I'm just saying, Disney buys all media. Maybe, maybe they would buy us. I'll just say this. <laughs> Once we get owned by Disney, we're in big trouble because they have very high quality control <laughs> standards. Well, we I, do not match I, I imagine... I would be the first to go. <laughs> hey, look, of I love your cu- church. All the cuts that Disney would want to make, I have a feeling I would be among the first. We're going to replace him with one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and, uh, it'll be great. Okay, keep dreaming. All right. Fruit. We have questions today, boys. Oh, Woo. yay. We have. Thank you so much for sending Christmas quest- questions? Uh, n- yes. One of them is. Oh. oh. One of them is. And uh, actually, we are intrigued. Yes. We, we actually have lots of questions, and I couldn't even get them, fit them all into today's show. So we're going to do some more next week. Keep so those never send us a coming. question again. No, no please, not no, that. Send us more. We're, we're happy because now I got material and I don't have to come there up with something. I have to think so. about it. Yeah, so thank you, whoever sent these questions in. First you can one, ask specific questions about specific passages not from the Old Testament prophets. Oh, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> you can ask any question. You can ask any question about Old Testament prophets. It's going to be the same answer. Pretty much. That does not apply to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> that will be the answer. It has no application to you. That's right. I'm not It's mostly going to be. I was making a blanket take statement care of the for widows the sake and orphans. of humor. This is why Disney will replace me. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> okay. Question number one is a Christmas question. All right. And here it is. I heard someone mention the Immaculate Conception in reference to Jesus. What is that? I sort of gave away sort of the answer, didn't I, by saying it was a Christmas question? Yeah, <laughs> you did. I did. I just didn't realize I did, but I did. So. Somebody go first. It's a really simple, I, quick answer. Pretty, yeah, so. I don't think... Good. Well, it refers to uh, Jesus being born uh, from Mary and the fact that the Holy Spirit was the one that came upon her and caused her to become pregnant, so it was not any natural kind of means. And right. so immaculate, I guess that's, that's another word for just perfection. Conception. I don't know what that means. I think it is. That's, yeah, okay, I'm. A, I haven't I'm looked a, it I'm up. Agree. I haven't looked it up. I'll either. just be. I haven't looked that up in the dictionary. Nate, just, Nathan oh, is pulling out his computer. That, I think that's what it means. Age. In but, the future, uh, when you're looking back on this, and we can just know things from the chip in our brain, mm, <laughs> that we true. don't have to look up anymore. Yes. So I don't have that, and I did <laughs> I not look either. it up. But I believe that's what the word means. Immaculate. It means perfection. That, that is what the word immaculate means. I'm gonna. I want to figure out what it means in. Hmm. In. But yeah, it, it you know while he's doing that, it just refers to that uh, that event where Mary was became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and it, it's it's the doctrine. The reason it's perfection is is God preserving Virgin Mary from the taint of original sin. So that's Ooh. the part, which okay. is a whole fact, different conversation. That's another, for another thing. I want I want to say I think. If you go to the original Catholic doctrine, I, mm-hmm. I'm not a Catholic scholar by any 1854. Means, but okay. I believe it's not Mary giving birth to Jesus. It's Mary's birth. Oh. I think that is correct. That that's how Mary was not tainted by original mm-hmm. sin. Okay. Her birth okay. was also Well, that's mir- good. Because it's the, the feast of the Immaculate Conception, and maybe this is why, interestingly enough, but some is, of our- is Tuesday, December 8th. <laughs> And well, here so, we are. That's uh, in, on the in the Catholic uh, cal- church the Catholic calendar. calendar. Yeah. I just say on behalf of all the Catholics out there, I know you would not have chosen me to speak for you, and that may be a misstatement. And I, I, I honor you guys. I, I don't. You should correct us if that's not the right that's answer. True. Yeah. 
and it's easily, we should have looked it up. But I think what I just said, you are what I think of commonly. Well, when I, I think, think of what your answer is what I commonly think of, but I remember in my studies years ago yeah. that that's what I think the that phrase I believe you're right and I think what has happened over time is that it has that that meaning has sort of shifted it's shifted that's yeah. exactly right so I think you're very you're much right like it. I have every time at this year of xmas as a bad word or oh, xmas wow. as a widely accepted word it's now shifted in the last 10 years to being really horrible I mean somehow it's attacking Jesus where originally it was not yeah, and that's just a little side issue that's yeah, not about the question. Y'all can okay. ask about that okay. some other time. I looked up on my, I have a Saint of the Day app, so if anybody wanted, Look I looked it up because I was thinking about what you're talking about. The presentation of Mary, which is was on Saturday, November 21st, it's a feast, is what you're talking about, which is about the birth of Mary. Right. Okay. The Immaculate Conception is about Mary conceiving Jesus. Okay. Okay. So, but okay. it is a, it is about what you were talking about. The supernatural means the doctrine mm-hmm. that involves uh, the, both. Has the original sin part Great. mixed in. Um, but that's a whole different. So, so, I don't know. We probably should have talked about this before because all you were like, "What is happening?" We are literally <laughs> we're literally working this out. We're right working. Now. Out. You're right hearing now. how we're figuring out. But yeah, the the uh, the feast, which is just interesting that this came up, and maybe it this is. is why the question gets sent in today that we're recording is the feast day of the Immaculate Conception. Oh, is it really? Yeah, Tuesday, well, December cool. 8th is the, or December 8th, it happens to be a Tuesday this year, hmm. is on the church calendar um, the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, according to the Franciscan uh, church calendar. So All I don't right. know if it's Here. different in the Catholic, because we are neither Catholic nor Franciscan. Franciscan so right. as you said, uh, go to a Catholic church uh, podcast. The truth is, yeah. the truth is most of the time, Nathan, th- we're not only not Catholic nor tra- Franciscan, most of the time we're barely Christian. We- yeah, that's <laughs> true. Well, there you go. So, yes. Okay. Question number two, and this one may take a little longer, um, and this is directed uh, to something that, Ed, you mentioned like two weeks ago, I think, or maybe three weeks ago now in a message. Uh, it was a statement you made in the message the darkness will not overcome the light. So you remember oh, talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. that? That was the first week of Advent. Exactly. Message, yeah. So the question uh, was, I heard you say that phrase on Sunday, but it sure looks darker all the time with no end in sight. How do I find hope with everything in our world being so wrong? It's not like a serious question. It yeah. really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know the person that asked it. You know, it may very well be feeling very dark to you, and I can see where that, I mean, particularly this year has felt dark to a lot of people, but, so there is a but uh, that you could probably feel coming as I was talking about that. If you look at the overall scope of history, human history, light is clearly winning in our world in that it, it doesn't take much, you don't have to get very deep in the study of ancient history to realize Wow, was it dark. I mean, there, there are things that went on just as a normal way of life in human history, you know, a thousand years ago, 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago that we have recorded history of. They're, they're so dark, we don't even like to talk about them. There are things, honestly, when you think about it, even if you go back, I mean, we just did a uh, study on um, the history of, uh, race and the church's interaction with race in our country in the last 400 years, and there's some stuff in that that is so dark mm-hmm. yeah. that it's hard to think about, and it's not where it should be by any means. Yes, and I think occasionally we take steps back, but it's pretty clear uh, the promise from the scripture that light will shine in darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. But wouldn't you also is continually moving forward? Yes. But wouldn't you also say that no matter what era of history we find ourselves in, I think everybody within their own context can look at what's going on and see darkness. Oh, uh, yeah. Around it, but and there's the but again. Within every part of history, there's always the light. Yep. That that weaves with either weaves within through it or then overcomes the darkness and like you said does move forward it it doesn't 
I, I know there's this often, and we've talked about this too. Um, you might want to go into it a little more detail because I know you've read more about this than I have, Ed, but there's always that statement that people make, you know, things are just getting worse and worse and worse. And technically that's not true. No. It, in fact, I just read another book on that. You and I read one several years ago yep, that did. was on that. There's another guy that's come out with that again. He's not a Christian, but but he makes really valid statistical points that almost every in almost every area in our world, things are consistently getting better. Mm-hmm. Are they where any of us want us to be? No. But here's the point I would make to people. The fact that you and I still look at things as they are, and they aren't right. That's but right. the fact that we know they aren't right, there are so many things in our world that 40 years ago people would have looked at, and if I'd have said they weren't right, they would have gone, what? Mm-hmm. The fact that we have become aware of things that need to be better right. shows that the light yeah. is already having an impact. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those Does things where, sense? yeah, like where with, with more light comes more more visibility yeah and we say oh that's not right either that's let's, right let's keep moving right Does that makes sense that's, oh yeah i think that's what you're saying that's right? exactly what i'm saying that is yeah. light uh, begins to more permeate in fact the this is a whole nother thing that uh, my brain went down this rabbit trail of something i read years ago that i'd never thought about that when electric lights got introduced to how ho- into houses hmm. is when people really got consumed with cleaning their houses yeah. ah. because in the era when yeah. the era when there were candles and stuff you could not see how much filth was in your house but the moment that more light came people were like oh my contemporary uh, uh, illustration of that is i think i said this a few weeks ago we just got a dog in our house <laughs> a puppy and the other night, the, all the lights were turned on, and you could see all the little leaves and stuff that the dog had tracked in, and, and I just turned the lights off, and all we had was, like, the Christmas tree on. I'm like, looks pretty good in here to me. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> it covered up a lot That's of That's exactly stuff. right. So I, I well, I, this room we're sitting in, I have a memory of when this building was first being built, which is 20 years ago now. This room wasn't exactly like this at the time, but when I was walking through with the con- – with the uh, superintendent he was showing me stuff and we were beginning to move some stage lighting in here and uh, I just plugged in one of our stage lights which are you know thousand watts some of them and it shined on one of these drywalls and I could see every seam Mm -hmm. and he and I said hey y'all gonna fix that and he goes hey man that is fixed he said you need the contract says under normal lighting conditions said there is no drywall that can stand up to that light yeah Makes sense so okay. light has this way of exposing things uh that even the knowledge we have of wow that's dark oh that's bad it shows us the progression of the light overcoming darkness and the truth here's the now the personal application of this is as light has become more a part of my life i have become more aware of darkness in my life that i used to not be aware of yeah mm-hmm. It shines in parts of me, and, you know, I, I don't want the darkness to overcome that. So I'm constantly looking at those areas as well. That's, I, I know that's not the, what you're asking. And I do want to say whatever prompted you to a, a, ask that question, I feel really bad for the way it feels in your world. And it's why there is a real importance to have a community of people around you, mm-hmm that can we breathe hope into each other community has a way of me being able to help you in those moments or you being able to help me in those moments and remind me that everything isn't dark yeah yeah well and i think i think when you just get to the question of how do i how do i live with hope in the darkness um I come back to how important it is just to be rooted in the in the story of God and how important it is to be rooted, you know, you said in the community of God. In that, you know, I think about Colossians 3, Paul says, uh, fix your mind on things above, not things of the world, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And that phrase, seated at the right hand of God, means that the work is done, yep. mm-hmm. that everything that needed to be accomplished for us to live in the kingdom of God has been done. A royalty would be seated uh, when a war had been won or when the project had been finished, that the idea that the king was sitting on the throne meant, oh, this is this is peacetime. This is the time everything is done. And what Paul's trying to get to is you have to get to a place where what is reality to you is not what you see. 
and and not even i mean i agree we can see all these measurable things that are getting better but for you it, you you may not be able to even no. see or those things may not be the things that matter to you and it may not lo- matter that the economy has gotten better right because for you your life is dark and a lot of darkness may have flooded your life right now i don't know yeah. may have you may have suffered some really tragic things and the darkness feels like it's going to overwhelm you and so I think if you can get yourself into a daily routine of rooting yourself in the story that Jesus is the light that no amount of darkness can ever overcome, because that's the part I think that's most important is we are the light of the world, but we're the light of the world because Jesus is the light of the world and he shines through us. The light that doesn't get overcome isn't the goodness of humans. The light that doesn't get overcome is Jesus, that Jesus has accomplished everything that needs to be done and that it shines through us, through these things that we're talking about, all the good that has been done in the world, uh, but that is coming from Jesus. And so there are times, as, as Ed said, that there's a lot of darkness in you, and you can't find anything good necessarily at that time, and that's okay, mm-hmm. because you're rooted in the fact that Jesus is ruling, Jesus is reigning. And I think it's hard. I think I think it is one of the hardest things about faith. This is the part that I think for a lot of people comes across as blind faith, but when Paul later says, we walk by faith, not by sight— what he means is I'm rooting myself in a story. I'm rooting myself in a reality that is deeper than just what I can see. Right. Which the truth is everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, you, when, when, when there's darkness in my life and all of us have experienced something bad happens in my life and I look around and I go, everything's bad. Everything's bad. Yeah. Even when you say objectively things are getting better, the reason you don't feel it is you're rooting yourself in some other reality that is That's because right. my life yeah. is bad. Everything somehow is now bad. All of us do it. And what Jesus invites us to in the kingdom of God is to live as if what Jesus said about himself is true and that he actually meant what he said. Uh, and if we do that, then I can exist. So for me, I have a, a daily prayer time. I have a daily time in scripture. I know we've talked about that several times that all of us have something and it looks different for all of us, but something that roots me in the community of God where other people can breathe hope into me, but also in the scripture also in prayer with God, uh, that it would be cooperation with God, with the light of the world, that I can actually see, oh, nothing's going to overcome Jesus. Yep. A lot of that made me think about the, you know, as a teaching team, we're currently writing stuff for the month ahead, and the message I just finished late writing, um, that's sort of what it's talking about, about I have to live heart, mind, soul, and strength. And those things, if I don't root them in the right place, they do distract me from what's really happening that Mm -hmm. God wants to do Mm -hmm. in my life. And I have to root them somewhere or they will become evidence to me, you know, my feelings, (laughs) the thoughts I have, the things my body does. They lead me a direction too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. which aren't in line with reality, no. which is why, and I, heard, I remember hearing someone say this, I don't remember who, but they said, sin is not sin because just arbitrarily God decided these things are wrong and these things are good. Sin is sin because it's, it's not wrong because it's immoral. It's wrong because it doesn't line up with reality, right. that it doesn't give you what it promises to give you. And when I trust my feelings or I trust some opinion that I have over what God says, eventually that sin is not going to lead me where I want it to lead me. And all of us have experienced that, that in parenting or something or in some other scenario, I feel like doing this thing. And I know it's not what God wants me to do, but I feel like doing it. It never gives me the result I want. And then occasionally I go, you know what? I'm just going to do the thing that I know is the right thing to do. And amazingly, the result somehow is, oh, and we act as if, well, God supernaturally interceded because I did the right thing and made this thing go. It may be that's the natural result of doing the right thing, that things get better. And and when I live that way, we, I see it actually come to fruition in the world. Yep. All right. Last question. And this one might take a little while, too. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this came out of the answer that we gave last week when someone asked us a question about the Bible. And so this seems like kind of a follow-up question because we touched on this, but we didn't really get into it. So today we can. Um, The question real quickly is, do you guys take the Bible literally? And uh, when I first read that question, my my thoughts were, well, 
my if you want a quick three word answer, it's going to be yes and no. That's correct. <laughs> That's yes also no. almost the phrase that ran through my head. I do, but nobody really does. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, and 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 here's what I mean when I say yes and no. Um, because of what we said last week about the Bible is a collection of different types of literature written by different authors in different times for different purposes to different people. I could go on and on. Um, because it is that, it requires me to read it differently. Yeah. Because it is different parts of, or different literature. And so there are parts of the Bible that I can say for sure, as I'm, as you look at what it is and who it was written to, that yes, he does mean for you to take this literally. And, and again, that, that word I think is even loaded. It is loaded. Because I'm not sure what somebody would say when they mean literally. If you mean, okay, uh, the person who penned uh, the stories of, of the life of Jesus, are you saying, did, did he mean for me to take them as a literal story that actually happened? Then yes, that, that is true. But then there are parts of the Bible that are written that even there are things that Jesus said <laughs> out loud that he doesn't intend for me to take as a literal story that actually happened. He's telling a story. And so... Yeah, it's like you know what I mean. Did is the is the prodigal son is do I take that literally? Yes and no. That's right. <laughs> I take the meaning of it literally. Yes, but it's a story. Yeah, it never happened. It didn't happen that that we know of, and Jesus doesn't seem to indicate it. He tells it in a way that we also would tell a made-up illustration right. to illustrate a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think when I first heard the question of do you take it literally, I think my answer is I take it seriously. Mm, that's the good way to say it. Yeah, me too. I take it. I just take it. I take it as if it's important and it matters. And the literal part, aside from, and I was trying to think this part through because I don't want to necessarily be black and white about it, but the stories of Jesus' life, and in particular his death and his resurrection, they are important to me that they literally happened, that they are events that happened. But by and large, the other ones, I don't know, because a lot of people have the question of, and I know we've all dealt with this, and a lot of scholars talk about, is the story of Jonah a literal story? Like, did that actually happen? Mm -hmm. Is it figurative? Is it a parable? Is it something else? And what I always come back to is, does that change what I am supposed to learn or take or respond to out of it? It isn't for me. It To me, coming to terms with whether it's a historic, that is a historical event. Now, whether Jesus' resurrection is a historical event, that has massive implications of right. whether it's true or not. But by and large, my main, my main criteria in reading the Bible, honestly, in lots of ways, is not radically different than when I'm, I'm reading a story or something. I understand someone's trying to communicate something to me out of this, and I'm this way because I'm not fun to watch movies with very much either because I'm always like, so what do they want me to take away from the Avengers? Like, what am I supposed to That's how I take everything, but... Uh, I think when I read, I'm going, I believe... Mainly a $100 debit on your credit card is what yeah, they want you to take away from. usually that's what they want me to take away. But I think when you talk about, I believe that the, the Bible is inspired by God, so God ultimately is the author behind it. So the author of this is trying to communicate something to me, sometimes about how I should live, sometimes about how I just need to view the world, sometimes how I just need to see things, and I take that seriously. Uh, and as I mean, I, I don't have anything to add to what you said about some things are art, some things are parables, some things are stories, some things are history. That's and right. so I have to understand where those fit. I think the and, importance of it always is, is that you consistently are taking it seriously and you aren't picking and choosing in the moment. And this I find tremendously in, 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 in uh, prophetic language in the Bible that people go from, well, that part's figurative and this part is literal in the same genre of writing. Right. Yes. That, that's inconsistent interpretation. Yes. You, you, must, you must be trying to figure out, you, you must at least be consistent or you must admit I am reading into the Bible, not trying to figure out what the Bible's trying to say to me. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make the Bible say something. 
And I was just recently listening to a podcast that was talking about this issue. A guy had just written a book. Um, it was an interesting title. I really want to read it. It's called How Not to Read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the points that he was making was, and this may be the source of this question, a lot of people you hear today who are who are kind of outside of Christianity are, are now looking at the Bible and using it as a, as a weapon against uh, Christianity and what we believe in specifically t- doing things like that, finding places in the scripture that if you read by itself, sounds absurd or offensive or just, you know, anti, you know, Jesus or whatever, and using that and saying, okay, is this really what you believe? And he had a great illustration. He was, he was using it to talk about, like, for instance, he said a lot of people will, will look at the Old Testament law and they'll read things in there that are just absurd. You know, don't eat shellfish, uh, don't touch pig's skin, and all these don't kinds wear of, woven clothing don't wear woven or cloth like that. And he said, and so they'll use that against Christians. I said, okay, so that's what you believe. You're being ins- inconsistent. And he said, he said it's the same effect. He said you should read the Old Testament law the same way we read laws that we find on books today that are ridiculous. And he gave a great illustration. I never heard this before. He said, you know, there's a law in the books out in Kentucky that says it is illegal for you to uh, put ice cream cone in your pocket. And he said, we read that today, and we laugh at it, and we say it's ridiculous. Nobody does that. And he said, well, if you look at the history of that and who it was written to, he said, there were horse thieves in Kentucky that would put ice cream cones in their pocket, and it would lead horses away from their owners, right. and they'd literally be stealing horses. He said, so they just made it illegal for you to, to do that, to just keep guys from uh, stealing horses. He said, so, he said... There's a law written to a group of people that had a purpose at that time. We read it. We think it's ridiculous. He said, it has nothing to do with us. It goes back to that phrase, and we've said it on this podcast many times. The Bible was written for you, but not to you. That's right. And that's what you've always got to, who was this written to, and why was it written? Well, well and I would just say, you know, the, the, the ability that people are using right now to use the Bible against us we are the ones that weaponize the Bible. That's right. By by talking about it in ways that we should have known, that has implications that yes. we don't really intend. That's right. Well, and I think it's the important. You talked about this last week. If, if this is where the question comes from, but when you see the Bible as a story, a unified story leading to Jesus, even those laws. When you talk about, you know, it's 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 not it's it's not intended. It's for us, but not necessarily written to us. It's important to understand, even those laws, it is revealing something to us about God's interaction with people, and mm. that's the important part to take away yep. of, of all of these things. It's not necessarily to look at these things and go, now I've got to somehow memorize this entire thing and take every every part. Or, as we've certainly said, and I often think this because I used to primarily teach middle and high school students, the way that we moralize certain Bible stories is very dangerous because I often think I and I'll just say this, I often there are certain Bible stories I go, I don't know why that's in there. I know it's part of the story. And I've heard people tell me morals out of it, and I go, if that's what you got, I don't know where you're getting. I think that there are from. stories that are included in the Bible just because they happened. Yeah. Right. And the person who was writing them decided to include them. What are we supposed to get out of them? That they happened. Well, yeah, or or, the, or as Jason said, there may be something we don't understand, and we may not understand on this side that there was something I was supposed to take from it, but I don't know. I just don't know. And so anyway, I think if you get to a point where you look at it as, this is all a story that's leading me towards Jesus and understanding something about God. Because I've even said that. I heard someone say that about um, the book of Psalms. I read a psalm a day as part of my thing, and they said, it's really important that you understand that the psalms aren't... Our, our, their intended purpose is not to tell us about God, but to mm-hmm. tell us about how we can come to God. Because yeah. there are things in the Psalms that I've heard people pull out and try to describe God through the Psalms, and and off, especially very vengeful things, very angry things. But if, if you switch it and go, this is a prayer book, because that's mm-hmm. that's now the way I've heard often people say that. Oh, these are songs, and I think there. If you read them enough, you go, oh, there are lots of songs. But then there are other things you read, and you go, I'm not even sure this was a song. No, it's just a way to pray. It's a way to understand. And many of them are, hey, when I'm feeling this way about a person, when I've been hurt and I feel this way, it's okay for me to bring that to God. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's okay. God, God can handle me being off track. And God wants yes. me to. God wants me to come not hiding anything in my heart. That if I feel like I wish I could dash this person's head against a rock until they were dead, God doesn't want me to come and go, God, 
I'm having some not fuzzy <laughs> feelings about this person because there's a part of me that now is hiding how I really well, feel before and God. And not only hiding, as I always say to people, do you think God doesn't really know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. because I polished it up with some words, do you think I fooled him? Mm-hmm. And if you do, then your view of God really has a problem in mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. If I can fool God, why am I asking him for anything? Well, and what, He's not capable of even knowing what I think. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think ultimately with a lot of things that we read, it's just important for us to understand where does this fall in the story of Jesus and the story of God's rescue plan for all people. Because um, that's a whole other thing is that we, we, it's, it's not even a history of the world. It's a history of God's interaction with this one group of people. That, mm-hmm. that, that you know, It's called the scandal of particularity, that God did choose one person that he started with one person, and then that was a family. And then from that family, it became a nation. And God's working with this one people. And there are other people that interact with them, but there are even people on the planet we know of that never interacted with these people. And it's not a history of everything happening in the world. It's a history of God. How does God interact with people all leading up to Jesus and then what God wants us to do going out of that. So, If you, if you try to re- read the Bible and not read it as a way to understand God and human beings attempt to understand God, that eventually leads you to Jesus, the perfect revelation. Right. I mean, he is the revelation of God. It's finally like God goes, okay, you've said all this stuff. Here's what really yeah. <laughs> right. this That's is right. like. Yeah. And then it's people then going from that, outward from that, of how do I live this perfect revelation out and what does it mean? Yeah. You're missing it. Mm-hmm. To, tr- to try to pull it apart in some other way, you're missing the purpose of the book. Yes. All right. So next week, we've got at least two or three more. Good. Cool. We hope we have lines. some more. I hope people right. yeah, keep, keep sending them all in. Keep sending You'll find the link in the description. So send, send us questions. You can send them completely anonymously. You don't have to give us a name. And uh, we'll, If you don't care about anonymity, you can just send them to us uh, yeah, through the website. Some, some, Absolutely. Maybe you can't find the thing. Send it to us. We'd, we'd be happy to interact with you. As long as they're listening, yeah. we'll keep talking. <laughs> exactly. Okay. We're uh, going to keep talking either Well, way. that's yeah. true. We're going to keep talking anyway. Uh, before we go, Nathan, I thought it would be an, another great opportunity since we're getting close Yeah. Uh, to talk a little bit about Christmas Anywhere. Tell us a little about the the thinking behind it and what we're trying to do and why and all sure. that kind of stuff for those who may have missed it. So uh, we knew this year we wouldn't be able to do a on-site gathering, Christmas gather, Eve gathering in the way that we've done in years past. And uh, even just around here, we're always trying to figure out with Christmas Eve, how can we use this best uh, to help give a message of hope and start conversations about Jesus with people who are far away from Jesus, who aren't, maybe aren't even interested in Jesus or church, because what we do know is there's something around Christmas time that people tend to be a little more spiritually open. Um, there's something about it, and I, I remember having this conversation with somebody about uh, conversations around kind of Christmas traditions, and I don't want to get into it in case some of the age of our listeners, but around certain traditions around a certain person around Christmas, and they said, <laughs> if you don't take part in this certain person thing, you're stealing some of the Christmas magic, and this was an adult and I said, Uh-oh. you know there's no magic, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, and, but Christmas the, is not about magic. Right, yeah. But I think there's a part of us, even, even once you've become an adult, that there does feel something magical about mm-hmm. this time of year. There's a part of us, maybe it's a mixture of nostalgia and a mixture of the ambiance and all that kind of stuff. There's something in us that's a little more open to wonder. And that's the term we're using a lot in this Christmas Anywhere service. We just want you to wonder and imagine. And so the thinking behind it was... Uh, instead of trying to get pe- people to come to us, what if we enabled you to go to people you love and you care about, and hopefully people you've been trying to have spiritual conversations with, and this really be the starting place for something. Not, I'm going to invite them to something and the church is going to take care of the rest. This is, the church is giving you something that you can go and sit with somebody and watch. It's very um, inviting it's very easy. We're, we're very much at the end of the process of kind of editing all the things we've shot together. And I'm very proud of what we've put together. And um, I was talking to someone else on staff who's thinking of doing it. And they were just asking about what the experience would be like with 
their their friends that they're hoping to watch this with. And so um, they're thinking about having a meal and then at the end of the meal, uh, inviting them to watch this in their living room. Um, and uh, I know other people are planning on doing this. My wife and I, if it's not too cold, are going to, we have an outdoor projector and we're going to watch it, you know, around a fire pit and try and have that experience. I think there's ways we've talked about doing it virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have uh, live streams available on Christmas Eve. Um, and the hope of this is, is that you sit with somebody, you watch it. Um, it obviously we talk about Jesus, but it is not a, the way I'm saying to people is it's not a sales pitch. There's not a place where we're calling them to make a decision today or to jump on board with us. It really is uh, a message of this year has been different for everybody. And many of us are hoping that Christmas will be a return to normalcy in some, we're just hoping for a little bit of peace and quiet back into our year, but we believe real peace comes through Jesus. So we, we give that part of it, but um, there's some funny stuff in it. There's some sweet stuff in it. There's some Jesus-y stuff. There's a great song <laughs> shot around Christmas, Christmas trees. And it's, the good thing is about the song, for those of you who wonder about it, it's intended for you to listen to, not sing along yes. with. Yes. Yeah. You should not sing along we are, with. We, we are not asking you to get your family together and let's all sing around the TV. Right. Yes. And I would encourage you for your friend's sake. I know you may think it would be fun and cute if all of you start singing. I'm just going to go out on a limb for your friend. They probably don't think it's going to be cute if you guys all decide to sing. So uh, our hope is that you'll do it. And we have these Christmas Anywhere boxes uh, that we're packaging this week, actually, uh, with some supplies. There's some there's some hot cocoa in there. There's some candy. Things candles. for your kids to have and for any kids that you're going to have along yeah, the way. Yeah, there's all different kinds of stuff that we think will make it better. And, and um, I know Jason and his team, we were just talking about this earlier, we have some discussion questions yep. that will help you if you want to kind of have a conversation afterwards with There's even friends. a prayer you can pray together that's right there for you to read. Yes, and all of that is really a do it at whatever level you think this person's at. If this person is that you're hoping to share with is very opposed to church and you think they're very cold to it, don't push it farther than it no. needs to go. But if you feel like this person's very open and we have we've provided a candle for your own little candle lighting mm-hmm. ceremony that you can do um I think the whole thing has the possibility to be very powerful, but powerful in the way that it enables you to have conversations, uh, which is what we're really trying to do more of as a church. Well, you know, and this is a little behind the curtain thing. We have always struggled with the um, effect of Christmas Eve for what we try to do as a church. I know why other churches do it, and we've done it. I mean, there was a time where we did Christmas Eve probably for— Ah, 15 years in a row. And every year when we would come back to it, we we thought we had good services. We always had good attendance. People always talked to us about the, the, the service. But the impact, which we as a church have determined is our particular thumbprint in the kingdom of God, which is impacting people who are far from God to take a next step toward God. How can we help people take their next step? We, we just couldn't see how it was accomplishing that. Yeah. And so we quit for a while. Then the last couple of years, we tried again. And we were just back at the point of going, man, this is not happening. So I don't want anybody to see this and think, oh, this is just what you're doing because of COVID. COVID may have pushed us to do something on Christmas Eve, whereas before we might have decided, hey, what we were doing isn't going to work. We're just going to let everybody go do whatever they want to. Mm -hmm. We think this has an opportunity to actually accomplish what we've been trying to accomplish anyway which is to give you a conversation with people who even on Christmas Eve might not have wanted to come out with you at that time, but you're going to probably be with them on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day sometime anyway, yeah. and it just gives you a chance to do something that you probably wanted to do. So just so we're clear, the website is live now, christmasanywhere.com. Yes. That's where you'll find everything that Nathan just described. Uh, it, it, you'll find that's where the links are going to be once they go live on December 20th. There'll be a link for YouTube and one for Facebook, whichever one you choose to, to watch on. There's also a form there you can fill out at christmasanywhere.com where you can get the boxes and all the stuff that you need. So 
I just talked to somebody uh, recently who doesn't live here anymore, but they had joined in on our uh, CCC Anywhere podcast, heard what we're doing, and said, hey, I'm going to track with y'all all the way through Christmas and do this thing. I thought, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so. it'll be available on Sunday the 20th, because I think there's even been some confusion, and I'll just own up to that on the communication side of it. Uh, it's it's a both and in that there will be – it's on demand. So the moment that mm-hmm. on Sunday the that's 20th, right. uh, we're going to have it uploaded at – 10.30 when we have our other stuff uploaded for that day. It'll be available. So from that day forward, and I'll, I'll even say this, if you contact us and say, hey, my person's not going to be around after Sunday the 20th, we're going to have it ready before the 20th. If you tell, if you contact me and say, I can do it on the 19th, we'll I'll get, get it up for you on the 19th. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. yeah, we'll get you a link that you can use. Yes, if, we picked the 20th, but if, if you've if, got some other way and you want to yeah. get a file, if you say you need it you tomorrow, come by and get us a file, we'll get well, you. Yes, yeah, we'll we, we are willing for you yeah. to use this it's Absolutely. not going to be ready tomorrow but in a reasonable <laughs> yeah. amount of time before but it'll be on demand so on our Facebook, and what that means is it's going to be a video on our facebook page or a video on our youtube channel where um if you're going to be watching it at your home i would suggest on that case if you're watching it at your home i always prefer facebook but i'll tell you if you're gonna watch it at home on your tv youtube's the way to go pull mm-hmm. it up that way if you're going to be sharing it in a watch party facebook's the way to go with that yep. But it'll be available to that whenever you want to do it. If, if you're going to be doing a watch party at 10 o'clock at night because the person you're doing it with lives in California and you're going to watch it with them that way, you'll have the ability to do that. And then on Christmas Eve, we are going to have some live streams at specific times, which we'll be announcing this week, uh, where if you, you feel like your friend really would get the most out of joining in with that uh, with us on, uh, on live, do that. But here's what I'll say. Yep. Either way you do it, you got to have a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not designed for you to just share it with your friend and go, hey, I hope at some point you can watch this mm-hmm. thing or I hope you get something. Because I, I will say this, I think you will be disappointed if that's what you do because yeah. it's not designed for them to just watch and go, oh, I have now made a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus the rest of my life. It really is designed as a first step to introduce spiritual conversations for you to have with your friend. So you will get the most out of it. They will get the most out of it if you actually sit down in a virtual watch party or in a physical gathering with them. And I also think if you haven't done so yet, reach out on christmasanywhere.com to get a box. I I know you may think the box is important. I think the box is going to be really important. And I'll just say this, of the stuff we filmed, we talk about the box a we good do. bit. We do. So there's parts of it where we stop and say, "Hey, you might want to hit pause now and open up your box, right? And do something." So, so. I, I would really encourage you to get the Christmas Anywhere box. We're going to have them available for pickup this Sunday, but you can even pick them up the week of the twentieth. If 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 you're not going to be here this Sunday, we'll have them ready for you to do. And but. just for listeners of our podcast, we will have them ready this Sunday or the week of the twentieth. Yes. <laughs> what? I said the same thing. He I said the exact same thing. You I was just very said. confused because it sounded like the same <laughs> no, thing. Was, he was using marketing I techniques. I was using a little marketing language just for the listeners. And, and I just ruined it because somebody went, oh, really? Oh, a special <laughs> one for us. No, he just said the same thing. Nathan did. We can put thing. a sticky note that says thank you for and listening to the And if you call podcast. me in the next 10 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> nothing will happen. Okay. All right. That's all I got. Y'all got anything else you want to say? No. No. Please do Christmas anywhere. Please. Do it. See you next week. Bye.